Good morning, everybody. So we're in 1 Corinthians 7, and this is all about marriage. So, oddly, I found that the questions the Corinthians had sent to Paul about marriage and relationships and advice, they're extremely similar to the kind of questions people will still ask nowadays within the church. Who do we marry? When to marry? Should I marry? Is sex okay? When can I do it? What if I can't marry? What if I just can't find someone? Um, is that an old rule? In marriage, how much should we be intimate? I know someone said that to me once. And so read 1 Corinthians 7, 1 to 4, and just get kind of a soak into the first four verses. Now, Paul is famously celibate. Now, he would wish it that everyone was like him and just focus on the work of the Lord, but he knows his, ex his calling is quite rare. And note how Paul initially makes it clear that sex should happen only within marriage and that a healthy sexual relationship is 100% predicated on giving and serving, not on one side demanding from the relationship. We can get rid of uh, your Fifty Shades of Grey and things like that. He is calling for a mutual, open and honest relationship. So what do you think? Like, in your experience, do you agree with him? Is this too old school thinking? Or do you like this? But Paul goes on to say that, in his opinion, those who are not married should remain unmarried. Now... The pressure to be married in all cultures is still really big. And even in our culture, which has gotten increasingly disillusioned with this institute of marriage, in inverted commas, we can still see almost a wedding cult in our culture, the idol of marriage, the idol of the wedding day. And this kind of thing has led, I believe, to a lot of pain and sadness with both men and women living under the pressure to settle down, to meet someone, because that's what you have to do. Um, I sometimes like joke with Colleen that, you know, if a single man walks into a church, he will walk out in a relationship. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm not saying that marriage isn't great. I think marriage can be so great. But I believe our churches need to cultivate a culture that allows and almost celebrates singleness, that celebrates that as an opportunity to do God's work. Because when you are single, you have only that one thing to focus on, um, rather than telling people that they're going to meet the love of their life, promising, you know, single people a wife or a husband can be really damaging, especially if they then take that promise or that prophecy or that prayer and then pursue relationships. They go after relationships rather than pursuing God and knowing God first and then perhaps blessed with a good relationship. So in verse 8 and 9, he says, So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. Nowadays, it's very hard, especially in the West, to just go ahead and marry because of the cost and the way we do relationships, the dating scene, etc. But Paul's advice isn't, well, surely, as a Christian, God wants you to have a super hot wife. It's actually, as a Christian, if you're single, stay single. Like, enjoy that part of your life, unless, unless your desire for sex is leading you into sin. And obviously, culture is going to play a huge part in this. And not everything Paul says can be taken as 100%, you know, um, copyable. That's not even a word, in 2020. But the heart of his message still stays strong. Christians should not pursue marriage or the promise of marriage or the prophecy of marriage to single people in their church because it can so quickly and easily become the idol that they are after. 
They should be being disciplined, learning the good news, seeking Christ and growing as individuals, serving God and serving the church first. So read verses 12 to 17. So when I was growing up, people frowned upon Christians being in relationships with non-Christians. And there's probably still that probably still happens a lot now. Now, obviously, when 1 Corinthians was written, the church was new and people would have been married in whatever faith they had before they heard the good news in the first place. And then one or both may have become Christians and this could have caused problems. But Paul here is quick to say, look, if a believer has a partner who is not a believer and that person who doesn't believe is willing to stay, stay married. It's not ideal. But he's saying that the holiness of the believer will bring holiness to the household. And it's not an excuse. He's not saying use this theology as an excuse to go out and find someone that's not a Christian because there's more of them and, you know, and do that. But he is saying that if you are already married and one of you believes and then one does not, you don't have to separate on these grounds unless the non-believer can't deal with it and wants to leave and in which case he says let them go and he's not being flippant he's not imagining that this is going to be an easy thing um and remember we can read this easily enough and in practice this is not going to be easy to let someone go and it can bring huge sadness and and if that happens the church as a body should be there coming alongside those people whose relationships have broken down to love and support and be the family to them overwhelm them with love so that they know that Christianity can bring that loving value. However, a word from sin- for single Christians does come again in verse 17. Paul then says to those who are reading his work, continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you. And by this, he doesn't mean if you are getting violently abused, you should stay there. He's not talking about that. He's talking about relationships. Remember, if you are single, he's saying, stay single and do God's work. Unless, verse 9, you can't control yourself. And we fail our members who are single when we are pushing them to find a partner. And it might not be that we're overtly doing this, but maybe subtly we, we do this. We expect there should be a time for them to find someone. And it's not easy. It's not always easy as that. And if a single Christian is really desperate for a relationship and the church doesn't have any eligible people, where are they going to go to find their partners? They're going to look outside the church, especially if there's constant pressure from the rest of us, and include me, to find someone. Cultivate a deep relationship with God first and stop pressuring Christians to be in a relationship if they're not already. God will do what he knows is best for them in his own time. And that might be that they'll get into a relationship. That would be nice. But I know some Christians who have never married and have been single for a long time. And that's a challenge for them. But they believe that that is because they had something to do for God that had to take up all their time. So read 1 Corinthians 7, 17 to 24, and ask yourself, do these verses challenge you in your situation? Now, I don't believe 
like I said earlier, Paul would encourage someone who is being abused to just stick it out. That's not what he's saying. Remember, he's talking about where we are when God calls us after talking about our relationships and our social status. He mentions slaves and freed men, circumcised and uncircumcised. And as is often the case, the questions to Paul concern your social position, your privilege, you know, how you should be in public. And slavery in ancient Rome was bad. But remember, it could be okay if you were a top slave to a top person, you might have a fairly decent standard of living. You might have quite a lot of responsibility. And I'm not saying that we should say, oh, well, then slavery is great. It isn't. But it's not the same as when we, like, imagine modern sex slavery or slavery in America. This, that's not what it looked like at all. I mean, it might have done, but it might not have done. And note, though, he does go on to say... If you can gain your freedom, you should do so. But as always, he's more concerned with the Christians being godly where they are and knowing God where they are, rather than seeking any ambition and and like blessing on themselves. So the next 15 verses, he concerns himself with unmarried people. And we have to understand Paul's thinking in, you know, in a couple of like, slightly different ways. He believed Christ would return in the near future. Or at least he was, you know, he was living as if it could happen at any minute. And he was encouraging the church not to be too concerned with their own, like, deep future family legacy. Now, that could be one thought. Or he understands, as we don't always, that life was often very short. Christians were often killed. And so for a believer to be concerned with their deep future and the future of their family and their legacy actually is counterproductive. It's unwise. Because as a Christian in Paul's time, the risks to life are high and life might be over very, very soon. Or he's saying, look, you can you can be a Christian or you're concerned with other things more than Christ. And nowadays we understand because we've got 2000 years of history that the world might not end soon. And our life expectancy is often much, much longer than Paul. But we can learn some wisdoms here. He, he still maintains that people should not seek to change their social situation. Um, oh, he should. People, yeah. Be a good Christian where you are. But in verse 28, if you do marry, you have not sinned. You'll just face many troubles in this life. And I think he's speaking of possibly a couple of things. As a Christian, you will expect, as a Christian with Paul, you will expect suffering and persecution because they did. You may also find, as Jesus prophesied, that your family will be split. Brother will fight brother and father and son. If you're married and your wife or husband does not believe, what happens when the persecutions you face put strain on the family who don't support your belief? That's a horrible situation. And Paul knows that that might happen. He also knows that, from a basic point, married people with families have other concerns. They do. They may distract people from the work of God. And I don't fully, I can't fully empathise with Paul. And I don't think really many of us can because culture is so different. But I do understand some of his thought process. If you are a Christian, especially if you're single and you want to grow in Christ and do more for God, it is better and easier to be content in singleness and pursue knowing Christ. Because having a wife and having children does get in the way. And that's 
not saying you can't pursue Christ in your family. You absolutely can and you absolutely should. But look at verse 33. He says, a married man is concerned about the world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. And it's a really tough verse to consider, but he's right. I really, And I really think that 99% of us are divided by what we spend our time being concerned about. And while I'm not in the slightest suggesting that we should all now just seek singleness, I think for those of you who are single, you should be encouraged. You're in a position that people like me are not in a position to put 100% of your heart and your mind and your effort into knowing Jesus. And as Paul says, being concerned about godly matters. Like verse 38, he says, he who marries a virgin does right, but he who does not does better. And he means by this that if you marry someone, that's that's great and it can be really brilliant. But if you don't marry someone, you can focus 100% on God and that's even better. And I'm not there yet. I'm not, I can't fully stand up there with Paul and go, yeah, I totally understand I'm living that life. My life is 100% for Jesus. But I think there's a challenge here for us to say, look, those of us who are married need to be focusing a lot more on Jesus than perhaps we often are and trying to navigate those waters. And those of you who are single, be hugely encouraged. Be, be blessed by that. You don't need us to pray for a wife and to keep promising you someone hot in your future. We need you to understand that you're in a position to know Jesus really, really deeply. Focus on that and be blessed.